Hey peeps, it's me, Christine, and I want to share with you a game-changing product that has improved my sleep and daily health. So let's dive in. You all know through my journey, I have struggled with sleep, being afraid of it, not getting quality sleep, and not being able to regulate my temperature throughout the night. I definitely learned the hard way, but sleep matters big time. It's when your muscles repair, your brain detoxes, and your body can work on cellular renewal. We just can't afford to miss out on an adequate amount of high-quality sleep, which is kind of hard when you have a rare disease. There's not much that I control in this real life, but one of the easiest and most effective ways to get better sleep every single night is through temperature regulation. Studies actually prove cooler temperatures lead to a deeper, more restful sleep, and that insomniacs actually lack this natural drop in core body temperature, which is what keeps them up at night. Personally, I run hot. This means that even if my room is super cold, I wake up in a pool of sweat, uncomfortable, changing my clothes several times throughout the night. It's frustrating for obvious reasons, and this is why I was so relieved to discover this transformative products from Chili. The Cube from Chili Sleep is a system that fits right over the top of your mattress and uses water to control the temperature of your bed, which helps lower your internal temperature and triggers deeper, relaxing sleep. Since water has 30 times more thermal conductivity than air, these systems are a lot more effective than just cranking up the AC. I mean, I keep my house at 65, so it has to be true. Ever since I started using the Cube system, I've noticed I fall asleep a lot faster, sleep deeper, and wake up feeling fully rested. (laughs) Now, my wife is not a polar bear like me and likes to sleep a little bit warmer, so I love that we can each have our own temperatures on either side of the bed. Chili products can range between 55 and 115 degrees. Right now, Chili is offering my audience a really great deal. When you go to chilisleep.com backslash findyourrare20, you get 20% off the Cube All Sleep Systems with Find Your Rare 20. Sleep is something we could all use more of, and we can all take small steps towards getting better sleep to improve our life in big ways. I hope you'll check out the Chili Sleep System and see why I love their product so much. Hey, peeps. Welcome back to another episode of the Because We Are Strong podcast, where we sit down every week to hear the untold stories of those in the rare disease and chronic illness community. This week, we are sitting down with Seth, a rare disease fighter who founded Our Odyssey, a foundation that connects young adults who have rare diseases with emotional and social support. I'm your host, Teresa, and I'm flying solo, so let's dive in. This is the Because We're Strong podcast, where we sit down every week to get your stories and insight on how to navigate this rare life. You can expect everything real and raw, in the hopes that your story, along with ours, helps another person who is dealing with a similar rare struggle. So grab your favorite drink, a comfy blanket, and buckle in, because rare disease isn't for the faint of heart. Welcome, Seth. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Teresa. I'm excited to be here and share a little bit more about my story and the work we're doing to support young adults through our odyssey. I'm so excited to have you on the show and introduce you to our audience. I met you through the Clubhouse app and really connected with your story as you battle Huntington's disease, which is the same rare condition that runs in my family. Will you tell our listeners about yourself and your journey with HD? Absolutely. And 
But before I get started, you know, it, it is such a small world to both of us just be be on Clubhouse and right. <laughs> just also be in that same room. And then suddenly, you know, I took the I'm going to say I took the risk to jump on stage and share my story. And then you're like, oh, my God, I, I know Huntington's disease. And right. It feels like someone finally understands it and finally gets what you're going through. Exactly. And so I'm so happy that we were able to, you know, happy that we were able to connect. Not so happy it was through that, of course. But to share a little bit about my story, it, it started a long, long time ago. No, it, it started <laughs> when, uh, really when I was probably about 12 years old is when we noticed something was different for my mom and we realized that she had poor balance, wobbly movements, kind of these these drunk-like movements where we had neighbors who thought she might have been drinking during the day. She had mood swings where one moment her and I having a normal conversation and then the next we're getting into an argument or she's upset or just simply depressed. And what was challenging over the years was that, you know, that she would get evaluated at the doctor's office and they would say, oh, she has major depression. Oh, she has bipolar disorder. But that didn't makes sense because of those wobbly movements, the slurred speech. And so a few years went by and she was officially diagnosed when I was 15 years old. And what was challenging about that was a couple of things. First was she was the first in our family to be diagnosed with Huntington's disease. So we didn't know what that really entailed. The, the second was I didn't understand it. So I went to you know, Dr. Google, which we always know. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. So you you go to that, right? And you search, in my case, Huntington's disease. And I I kind of check it off in my mind. You know, the mood swings is on there, the wobbly movements, the slurred speech, there's a cognitive decline, there's a a behavioral uh, aspect of Huntington's disease, there's that the motor symptoms. But I think what stood out was that the average lifespan from diagnosis is about 10 to 20 years and that there's no cure. And so to kind of paint a bigger picture of, of what Huntington's disease is, which I might refer to as HD, uh, you know, it's a rare neurological genetic condition that slowly deteriorates a person's physical and cognitive abilities. And it's like having ALS, Alzheimer's and, and Parkinson's all into one condition. And so it was definitely very tough, you know, trying to accept this. I was a 15 year old kid in high school trying to fit in with my peers, trying to act like everything was okay when in reality it wasn't. You know, being out in public with my mom, I, I felt embarrassed. I felt embarrassed having friends over. I just wanted to try to live a normal lifestyle. So I would, you know, try to stay away from the house as much as possible, whether that was working, staying after school, playing sports, staying at friends' houses overnight, whatever I could do. And so, you know, that was how I was feeling just feeling alone, right? Feeling like I didn't know where to turn and who to talk to who actually understood what I was going through until, you know, I started doing more research when I went to college and realizing I was at risk and I had a 50-50 chance of inheriting it. And that's when I decided to go through genetic testing. Now, you were diagnosed at a fairly young age, just 20 years old. I know I would have a lot of emotions around that. How did you cope? Yeah, so as you mentioned, you know, I, I took the I guess that risk of going through genetic testing. And the reason for that is I'm a big planner. I wanted to plan for my future. I wanted to understand 
what that entailed because without knowing, I didn't know how to plan accordingly uh, with my potential career. You know, do I get married, having kids? You know, the whole future aspect is up in the air if you have the disease or if you don't have the, the disease. So I decided I wanted to, you know, take that leap of faith and go through genetic testing. Now the challenge is, or, you know, the, the big thing that people don't realize is that genetic testing is a very personal decision. It's not something that you can take lightly. It's nothing that I, I personally don't believe anyone should be pressured. But what I'm very fortunate about is that my parents did tell me about it because I've heard stories, you know, it's tough to tell your kids and I don't have kids, but I can imagine, you know, telling your kids or telling your loved ones, Hey, you're at risk for this condition. Oh, by the way, there's no cure. Oh, by the way, it sucks. <laughs> and, you know, and so I'm, I'm very fortunate. My, my parents told me about it when they did, because I was able to then educate myself and try to do what I could, what was in my control to, you know, raise awareness and make a difference. Um, but yeah, I, I went through genetic testing at the age of 20 and I, I tested positive. And what's interesting about Huntington's disease is that I'm, I'm quote unquote, and I'm putting air quotes out there. I'm technically not diagnosed yet because I don't have symptoms, but I'm guaranteed to get the disease. So it's kind of like me racing against this invisible clock. And I'm essentially racing until I might show symptoms or there might be an effective treatment or cure. And so that's kind of my motivation is I need to fight back. Right. And, you know, I'm 30 now, so I've known about it for 15 years and, you know, there, there's a few things in the pipeline, but I, I, I can't just keep waiting around. And I think that's kind of where I'm trying to change my message is, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. Yes, I'm positive. But at the end of the day, there's no hope if there's no treatment. That's how I see it. And I can't just wait around for companies to take their time to look for opportunities. I need them to know my urgency. I need them to be on my timeline and the timeline of other HD community members who are already dealing with HD or might deal with it over the next few years. That's definitely a really good way to look at it. And I like that it's very like optimistic, but also very realistic at the same time. And I think that's really important, especially with Huntington's. I, to I totally agree. And I, I mean, that's a thing, right? I'm not, a, I'm, not, I'm not a negative Nancy, right? I'm not a Debbie Downer. It's just more of, you know, when you're told year after year, you got to stay hopeful, you got to stay positive. You know, there's a treatment around the corner. You know, eventually it's kind of like, well, when is that going to actually happen? And I think that's where we need to come together and work together as a team to get our voices heard with companies that are working in HD so that we can really push the needle and say, hey, our voices matter not when it's best for you, but when it's best for us, which is now. And so we need to get, you know, involved as soon as possible in, you know, drug development so that we can make sure you guys are looking at the right uh, right endpoints where you're looking at the right uh, most burdensome parts of the symptom of, of the condition, the most burdensome symptoms of the condition. There we go. And I, I say all that because, you know, personally, right there, I mentioned the motor, the cognitive and behavioral, I would rather deal with the motor symptoms than the cognitive and behavioral because, you know, when I saw what it did to my mom, you know, I want to at least still be able to function daily, right, and still be able to, you know, comprehend things on a day to day basis. And so that's my personal preference. But I think we need to do a better job at 
understanding the unmet needs of the community. And so to kind of sum up the original thing of like coping with it, you know, the way that I cope with it is one is, I guess, really helping others. I'm a community connector. I love to help others who are facing adversity in life, who are just looking for additional support or resources. You know, my friends and family have been amazing. The HD community has been amazing. I also go to therapy because I think it's important to know what type of support you need. And for me, that's that's what I need at this at this time in my life. Yes, absolutely. Like I am the biggest fan of therapy, like whether you have a rare disease or not. I think it's just so essential to getting through emotions as a human. Yeah. And here's what I'll, I'll say to that, because actually I used to be an anti-therapy person <laughs> is because when I first went to therapy, it was when my mom was sick. And the challenge was I just tried to find someone who, who took my insurance. And so that was fine, but their focus was more on my mom and learning about Huntington's disease and not as much about my needs. Mm-hmm. And so what I've learned and what I always you know, suggest to others is you know, it's kind of like interviewing your therapist and trying to find a good fit and trying to find that match based off of what you're looking for, right? If you're looking for someone that you know, understands X, Y, and Z, then go for that. And so that's something I've I definitely have discovered is making sure it's not it's a good match and don't just go for it because it's the first best choice. I always compare it to dating. You have to date around in order to figure out the right match. So I love that you do the interview analogy because I think that's probably a little bit of a better one. <laughs> well, I, I I'll say I do the interview thing with dating as well. So <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, it, it, I think it works with uh, most things these days. I love it. Have you struggled to keep your medical records today? Do you carry huge binders from doctor to doctor only to find out you don't have what they need? Trust me, I get it. And for a long time, I pushed off the dreaded task of organizing my medical records. But procrastinate no more, people. Consolidoc is a real game changer. Consolidoc helps me collect and manage all of my medical information using one portal. Awesome, right? Well, it gets better. Once you have an account, you can submit as many record requests as you would like. And it gets better. Each one of these requests takes less than 30 seconds and poof, you're done. That's right. You heard me. You are done. The Consolidoc team takes care of the rest. And the best part? Monthly subscriptions start at $10.99 for adults. I know. Is this real life? Having access on the go to all my medical records has allowed me to concentrate less on the paperwork and more on my wellness journey. So don't waste another moment. Head over, start taking control of your records your way at Consolidoc.com. So Seth, you've done quite a bit since testing positive, including giving a TED Talk and creating your foundation. Tell us about our Odyssey and what it does for young adults with rare diseases. Uh, Absolutely. So to kind of first start with the, the, the TEDx talk that I did, I was actually in grad school in Chicago, getting a master's in nonprofit management. And, and really my focus at the time was supporting, uh, you know, doing youth development work. And especially I think like around education. And I had the opportunity to do this TEDx talk in my hometown. And so when I did it, it really opened my eyes and opened the doors to the health community and, and really changed my career path 
to say, I want to help the rare disease space. I want to help understand, you know, more about this community and perhaps work in it. And so what I did first was I tried to learn as much as possible from those who have been there before me. You know, I have a good friend who currently works uh, within the pharmaceutical space. Uh, his name's BJ View, who has been like a big brother to me. He's also part of the HD community. And he really helped has helped me along the way with my career and just also uh, as a friend. And then there's another uh, woman who's been around around for quite some time. Her name's Jean Campbell. And she really has helped uh, guide me along the way as well, uh, who really just helped helped me understand what it meant to work in the healthcare space. And so as I, you know, connected with these two and many other people, there's too many people to list, but with, with all these other people, I realized one thing, which was there wasn't much support for young adults in the rare disease community. And so I started kind of doing my own research and asking around and trying to learn about, are there other organizations out there? Is, is anyone doing anything? And I eventually, I first actually put together my own little survey and was asking young adults if they would be interested in year-round support for whether it was through in-person or or virtual meetups. And a majority said yes. And then I also asked, would they feel comfortable connecting with people outside their disease state? And I I think it was like 85% said yes. And so I was like, okay, I have this data. Like, what to do next? Well, let me keep learning and, and asking young adults. And finally, you know, in 2019, I was at a rare disease week on Capitol Hill. And I was, I was sharing this with one young adult. And I remember, you know, telling her about this idea. And she's like, yeah, that's an awesome idea. Who's going to do it? Are you going to do it? And I was like, you know, what? yeah, I'm going to do it. Because what I realized is that if, if I didn't start this organization, who knows how much longer young adults would not have that community connection. And it's kind of similar to how I felt growing up, right? Is Yes, I had my friends. Yes, I had my family. But to connect with someone who also is dealing with a health condition is a lot more ease, easier and, and more manageable and just makes you feel a lot more comfortable at the end, end of the day. And to me, that's exactly what was missing was there's this isolation and young adults really wanted to connect more than I think they really had the chance to, you know, rather than having the one-off conference, the annual conference or convention that people, that organizations have, and there's nothing wrong with that. Young adults wanted to stay connected uh, more fre- frequently throughout the year. So we created our Odyssey in 2019. And, you know, our mission is to connect young adults impacted by a rare chronic condition with social emotional support in the hope of improving their quality of life. It is a mouthful, but <laughs> that it's is, a good mouthful. though. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, that is exactly what we're trying to do is rather than you know, focusing on children or older adults, our kind of target audience is 18 to 35 year olds. Now, if they're 36, 37, which we have some of those who are involved in our programming, that's totally fine. I think once it gets to kind of 40 or so, you know, our hope is that the patient advocacy organization in their community can support them. And on the other end of things, you know, we just, for liability purposes, didn't want to go under the age of 18. And so that was kind of our target audience. And then on the other aspect of it, it was, you know, when we think about transitional periods of life, a lot of times we only think of transitional care, right, from pediatric to adult care. But we don't actually look at going into college or navigating your career or family planning or 
dating or how to talk with friends and family, like the list goes on. And we realized we need to provide a holistic, a holistic approach to different transitional periods of life for young adults. And so that's exactly what we're doing. And it's, it's very exciting, Teresa, to just really connect with young adults from not only all over the country, but we've had some people from, you know, four different countries as well. Wow. I love everything about our Odyssey. Um, It's just something I really strongly believe in that is necessary. And, you know, as somebody who has family with Huntington's, I didn't meet anybody else who knew what Huntington's was until I was 19. Um, And then the next person I met, it wasn't until I was like 24, 25. So I think connecting people like that is just so crucial. Absolutely. And my the first person I met outside kind of my family was my age. And it was actually my sophomore year in college when someone who lived down the hall was like, oh, my friend's coming to visit and her mom has Huntington's disease. And I was like, what? Like, there's other people, right? And Right. <laughs> and when I met her, it was kind of like we knew each other for years and I could just be myself again and let my guard down. And it was such an amazing feeling. And she was actually the person who came with me for my genetic testing because, you know, she understood it. She got what I was going through. And so it was just, it was really good that I had that connection and that in, in the Huntington's disease space, there is a lot of connections with young adults. But I realized this was not the case with a lot of these other rare conditions, especially if the, the next closest person lives across the across the world from you. And so it's how do we make sure that they get that connection that they need if the next closest person's across the world or even across the country, you know, and so we really wanted just to help help all young adults if we could. I love it. What's next for our Odyssey? Great question. And that's that's the the big, big question for us is, you know, we're, we're in the process of really trying to dive deeper into where do we want to go in the next three to five years and how we're going to get there. Right. And at, at the end of the day, with any nonprofit, it's how do you become financially sustainable so that you can continue to build on your programming and expand your capacity and, you know, just to kind of throw it out there, I, I'm a full time volunteer. So, I, you know, I, I don't I don't get paid for for any of this. And, and that's totally fine. We have a part time staff member right now who does an amazing job with our programming, among many other things. So, you know, both of us wear multiple hats in addition to some of our amazing volunteers and our board. But, you know, our next step is can we bring someone on full time? Can we raise enough money to bring someone on to then expand our programming so that we can, you know, prior to COVID, we're doing these in-person meetups. We'd love to go back to that and, and really, you know, build that up again in a safe manner. Again, we'll see what happens this fall. I know some things are going back, but, you know, always have to kind of make sure young adults feel safe so that um, that's like the number one priority. But hopefully to go back to in-person meetups, um, continue with our virtual programming. And then, you know, from there, we're, we're, we're thinking about other opportunities to get young adults' voices heard. You know, how do, how do we increase their, I guess, exposure and their leadership within the healthcare space? And we really want to help train them because we know that they're the leaders of tomorrow. And we know that they're going to really help make a difference, uh, not only in their own community, but the larger health community. That's so great. 
Where can people find you to connect with you? So if, if they want to learn more about Our Odyssey, they can go to www.ourodyssey.org. Uh, if they want to personally reach out to me, um, they can find me on Twitter or Instagram at srotberg15, and that is R-O-T-B as in boy, E-R-G-1-5. So, you know, those are both my Twitter and Instagram more than happy to connect with anyone uh, I, because I'm a big believer in that, that if anyone needs help, you know, I'm going to do what I can. Uh, you know, that's a good thing and bad thing, right? Because I'm also learning how to, how to say no at times too and, and trying to prioritize my own self-care. But I think if, if I can even make an introduction for someone or connect them to, to another resource, then I know someone else will do that for me one day. As always, we will have that information in our show notes. Seth, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. We really hope that any young adult with a rare or chronic condition that is listening will reach out to our Odyssey. It is such a necessary organization. Thank you, Teresa. And I'm looking forward to it. Keep up the great work on, on your end, too. You guys are, are amazing and looking forward to collaborating in the future. Thank you to our listeners who tune in every week and help us bridge the gap between rare disease and the rest of the world. Until next time, live large and stay rare. Catch us next week for another episode. To continue the conversation about rare disease and all the unknowns that comes with it, join our Facebook group. Want even more rare? Become a VRP member on Patreon and learn more about our stories or how to share yours by visiting bwspod.com.